I was lost into the ocean and people told me you need to swim until the shore. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, but I cannot swim like everybody else because my brain is not working like everybody. So mm -hmm. either you teach me how to make my brain worse, either I'm going to find the easiest solution, which the easiest solution is the drug, you know? Yeah. Now that I know that I can use meditation, I can use hypnosis, I can like, I done like for more than two years, I've done hypnosis every day, like right. one hour every day. Welcome to Beyond the Matrix with your host, Adric Suber. Have you ever wondered if this is all there is in life? What lies beyond what we were made to believe? In this podcast, we're going to uncover real human stories of those who have taken courage to go off the beaten path and live in full authenticity. We're going to challenge what you believe is possible, fuel your spirit with courage and heart with warmth to fully live your truth. So buckle up and get ready for the ride beyond, beyond the matrix. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Matrix. Today, we are joined by another remarkable guest. He's someone, when you've heard of his life, you'll be wondering, like, what have I done in my life? Because <laughs> he seems like he has lived multiple lives. He started a nonprofit. He won writing award when he was 18 cycled in Latin America across like 5,000 kilometers, launched his own clothing brand. And um, these were just a few among a lot of the things that he has accomplished in his life. But he did not have it easy. He had a rough start in his life. He was born with an ADHD and he started using and selling drugs when he was 17. But he didn't let all of these struggles and challenges put him down. In fact, he kept rising and reinventing himself until one day when he found a calling to go to India and found his way to an Osho center and finally found his mission to empower others to live their truth. And now he had found his way to the land of paradise in Bali. And so I'm very pleased to welcome my friend, someone with a smile and positivity that never fails to warm my heart every time I see him. So please welcome our guest and my dear friend, Asha. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for this introduction. It's very beautiful. It's good to be reminded by other people that I did something. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've done a lot of things in your life. It's just something. Um, so one thing that came to my mind was when I was reading your bio and what you sent me was like, wow, like you have lived quite a life. And have you ever looked at, looked back at your life and think about how much that you have experienced in your life and how do you feel when you kind of look back in your own life? Um, well, I feel it's like pieces of puzzles that I'm, I'm putting. There's a lot of things I've tried in my life, you know, like these things I didn't, I started, I didn't go through like the clothing brand. I started it. And then at one point I, I saw that I love doing this, but I needed something more maturity of that, you mm. know? So maybe I would start again doing clothes in the future, but with more of the experience I'm getting now and knowing like where, what's the purpose behind it? Because I know we have this need of being clothed every day, but <laughs> at the time I was just like, oh, I love it, but I don't know why I'm doing it. So, you know, like right now with meditation and all the more consciousness practice that I'm doing in my daily life, I'm finding meaning into what I'm doing and, and understanding why I started doing it. Before, mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, that feels good. I'm going to do it, you know? And yeah. now I'm like, okay, there is a reason why I should do it. Mm. You started to find meaning when you connected all this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's the yeah. theme. Um, and I, I, I want to ask about your name because Asha is like your spiritual name. Yeah, is there, yeah. What's the story behind how do you derive this name? So 
I think names have like a packed identity with it. You know, I was born as Sebastian. Mm. Then I had the, the nickname G's when I was in the criminal world, when I was a drug addict. And mm. then uh, when I went uh, as more like as a writer, artist, like, but like I was covering myself through another identity of artist, but I was not showing myself as artist. I was calling myself Karian. Mm. I was writing stuff and publishing them as under, under that name. And each name gives us an ability to just get out of who we are because our identity is like kind of a prison, you know, it's, it's brother. It's like, oh, some people think they are that, some people think they are like a doctor or whatever. Yeah. And they're like stuck in this identity and they cannot like adapt to different settings, you know? Yeah. Like, and when you learn that every day you can be someone different. Yeah. Taking a new identity, it's a new name, a nickname, can help you to just move into that space yeah. and then get some of the, the characteristics that you want, embody them, and then you don't even need that name anymore because you just you you feel that energy inside of yourself. Like, yeah, like I'm I'm who I want to be every day. Asha means hope, right? Yeah, yeah. And and how do you come up? uh with that idea uh well it was kind of like given to me yeah. uh when i was in india i went to this beautiful meditation center where i changed my life like i've never been in a place like that i didn't know what it was to do therapies to mm -hmm. do meditation to spend days in a place where you just do meditation for me yeah. meditation was something like kind of like boring yeah for people i didn't you know like i used to take cocaine from the morning to the evening like uh my routine was to wake up at two in the afternoon yeah. take a line of cocaine go in the in, wow. the in the bathroom like take a shower roll a joint take a coffee drink some whiskey that was my my daily basis and thinking that i could enjoy my life by just sitting and doing nothing mm. That was something no, not possible. Yeah. And then I went through the point, the extreme point, or paying huge amount of money to be in this place where I had to wear a uniform, where I had to wake up in the morning at five, where I had to make my own bed. And I was like, I, I, I should not do that. <laughs> but somehow I was driven to do it. Yeah. And after a few months of like doing all these therapies and learning how my subconscious works, how my mind works and how I can influence myself to become a better self, to have control of my life and not to be like the subject of myself. Mm. I've heard that uh, our bodies are like maps of our past. And with our mind, we can change that map and create a new map to yeah. create the future we want. If we don't change it, we're going to just stay like that. Yeah. And so I was in this meditation center and clearing myself from all my past. And I realized that there is so much hope, even for someone who didn't have hope for mm -hmm. 10 years, I was digging down, down and down. And I said, okay, I, I, I'm, I feel I can represent hope for other people. Mm -hmm. Like some, so many people, they have like, I would say not so many struggles in their life. They didn't go so deep. And there's other people who have more struggles as well. Mm -hmm. Many people have like the opportunity to get out of the mm -hmm. matrix and just say, okay, there is hope. Like yes. there is, we don't need the world to change. If yeah. we change, the world's going to change this, this, like this. We are creating this world. And if each of us decide at one point to change, well, the world's going to change and that's going to be beautiful. Uh, that's so beautiful. I just love the story behind your name. It was, it's, it's very personal because you went through what you did, you know, mm -hmm. like you were uh, abusing drugs and then like thinking that you could have this 
complete flip in your life. Yeah. And that represents hope. And that's what this podcast is all about. That yeah. to inspire people to know what is possible in this world and see how they could also live the matrix themselves. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I wanna go deeper into your story. So you mentioned that you um you were using drugs a lot before and all of that. Like how maybe you can start by how do you even get into that place to start with? So I grew up with ADHD, mm. but I was never diagnosed. And that was one of the the things that kind of created all this, this story because uh, our the, the teachers, they just thought that I didn't pay attention. They, my parents as well, they all labeled me as a bad student, mm. even though there was a part where I had very good grades, but I was failing as well because I was not, um, um, not a good student. Yeah. It was like very, um, it was very wobbly the, the way I was like listening. Sometimes I loved the things. So I was just giving my best and have like the best grades. And then the next, next month had like zero, like the, the minimum possible. And uh, at one point, uh, I loved being social always. You know? mm. Like I always had this thing of like meeting people. And when I was uh, in Belgium, alcohol is legal from 15. Wow. Yeah, I'm in soft alcohol, like wine and beer. Whoa, and it's so much ahead of Americans. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seven years ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started organizing parties for teenagers. Oh, and I started to be in this world of like the nightclubs and and stuff. I was like just, you know, very easily like I found like a bar where they were accepting teenagers, and I was like, okay, so I'm bringing you clients, and you give me free bottles of wine, and mm-hmm. that's started like this. Then I started making parties at my parents' place. And one day this guy, I was super innocent, you know, this guy came to, to my, to one of the party I was making, and I like just opened the door and like, whoever wants to get in, get in, you know? Yeah. And this guy comes and said, like, hey man, like, uh, I, I love your place. And, uh, I feel like I want to, I want I'm, I'm leaving outside of Brussels, but I would love to party more in Brussels. So what I'm proposing is like, you let me crash at your place yeah. and I'm paying everything during the evening, during the parts you'll be going to. I'm like, okay, no problem. Yeah. And so the next, very next weekend, the guy comes and he gives, gives me this little blue heart. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, it's a little blue heart. And I'm like, okay, no, I, and like, what do I do? Like swallow it. So, okay, I just swallowed it. And it was my first ecstasy pill. I think it was like 16 or 17, wow. something like that. And that just hit me like, oh my God, this is so good. Yeah. You know, like just the, the things that I, I think the first night I had like five different drugs, like speed, ecstasy. And I don't remember the end of the night, but the guy, the guy was a drug dealer. Right. He was just like giving me away drugs. Yeah. And care. He had them for like nothing. Like at the time, I think when you were buying a hundred pills, it was like 30 cents a pill. And you were 30 cents. Yeah. And you were selling it five, five euros. Wow. So it's like $7, something like that. Mm. And, and so the guy was just giving me pills, giving me uh, powders or whatever. I didn't know anything. And then the next day I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I want mm. all my friends to know that already when I started drinking, I was like, oh my God, this makes me feel so good. You know, mm. I, I, I don't care about anything. I feel like so free, so powerful. So when the guy just tell me like, yeah, that's cost like 30 cents. Like, and he was just like giving them to me. So I started just like saying to my friends, like without any idea of what I was doing. I was just yeah. feeling I was doing something good. Yeah. And then weed came into my life and weed was a huge deal breaker because mm-hmm. with ADHD, without being diagnosed, I didn't know what was the problem yeah. I had with me, but I couldn't like focus and I couldn't stay still and calm. And just weed was just like making me so calm and just making me 
being deep in i love that so mm -hmm. i just like started smoking all the time yeah and then um i don't remember when exactly at which age was i think it was like yeah 19 something i just had my first line of cocaine but i was you know i was already in this in the then the club life every day i was getting going out in clubs all the bouncers knew me mm. i was bringing people to clubs so it was like you know pretty cool and i i i started taking cocaine. this thing makes me focused this makes makes me invisible and with weed i can be caught yeah so that was my <laughs> you find, yeah you find a way to biohack and engineer yeah, your setup yeah, yeah, exactly one i mean i don't know how to uh adhd feels like but i can imagine that gives you a lot of like comfort for someone who's been dealing with uh, yeah. a very kind of disturbing and troubling way of uh, managing your mind so ADHD feels like you have ideas coming all the time, but yeah. you cannot focus. So mm. I remember at one point I was asking, my, because I was always observing people and trying to understand how I can better myself already at the time. And I was observing people and I'm like, how is it possible that people have like meaningful connection with each other? And I realized that I was not able to listen to my, my friend because my lack of focus was mm. that someone who is telling me their struggle and I'm like, just drifting away. Right. Oh, you're talking to me. Well, yeah, sorry. And you know, that kind of, that was me before. And then with cocaine, I was able to listen to someone. Someone yeah. like, okay, I need this thing, you know? Yeah. And so I think ADHD, the hyperactivity and focus, they're all linked together because you have so much energy and you don't know how to channel it mm. that you, you need to find things around you to just like get, to, to burn that energy, you know? Yeah. You need to do an when I was uh, 17 with all of these drugs things, I really became a bad boy because I love to be social and I understood that bad boys, the ones who are failing at school, yeah. are the cool ones who are the popular ones. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to drink, yeah, I'm going to smoke, I'm going to take drugs, yeah. and I'm going to be the worst bad boy ever. So I got kicked out of one of the best schools of Belgium. And I had the only school that took me was like kind of almost outside of the city. And I had to or take the bus or go by train. But it was like 40 minutes of bus, like sitting for 40 minutes waiting to get them. And the bus was crowded. So it was not possible for me. Yeah. So they are like, okay, I'm going to, I found an old bike in the basement and I'm, like, I'm going to cycle there. And I was just like, every morning I was just cycling and I was like, this is so good. You know, <laughs> like it just like burns all my energy. So yeah, I get I to school, I get to school and there I don't have too much energy. I can focus and I can do things. You know, that was a huge hug, but I was already hooked on, on drugs at that time. Mm -hmm. I just like went into that, uh, extreme of doing more sport taking more drugs and mm. and until when i was 27 when i met this uh psychiatrist and i was talking with her and at one point she's like what kind of medication are you taking what kind of medication i'm just taking coke i'm taking again <laughs> i'm taking ecstasy like all the drugs you want what do you want like i have all of them yeah, yeah. and then she's like yeah but man you you have adhd don't you know that and i was like what whoa and she's like she's just like takes me like this this sheet that is giving all the symptoms of untreated ADHD in the in the adult and right. I'm reading the thing and that's you know like when when you got this um astral chart when they're reading it and it was the same thing I was like how did you know that 
at the age of seven, I would be like that. How did you know that uh, wow. I would have like car accident? How did you know that I would be drug addict? How did you know that I would be having trouble keeping one job well, or whatever? Is a psychic or is a psychiatrist? No, a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. You know, like a doctor. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. a doctor. Not like a spiritual. Like a spiritual. She's really a doctor, and she gives me that 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 that, that sheet that she has in in her her thing, and she's like, "We just read it," and I'm reading that, and I'm like. It's re- written symptoms of intrigued ADHD in the adult. And I'm wow. like, this is fucking all the periods of my life that right. are like, you know, like dropping out of school, having trouble with authority, having this, having that. I'm like, is this exactly all the period of my life I described there? There is there is not the events, but roughly that's I, if I had to describe my life, that's how it went. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. And that just snapped my head. And I was like, so actually, I'm not a drug addict. Mm. And I had this this thing like because I was self-identifying with yeah. by that I was a junkie and that's that was in my DNA that my right. DNA was a DNA of a junkie because my uncle was a junkie my aunt was the uh, mm. but they still are junkies so I felt like well that's the lineage of my family you know wow uh, that, yeah that's such a power that's so, such a powerful realization because I feel when you have created an identity for yourself like you will operate like around this identity thinking that this is this is you yeah so like yeah. everything that you do will try to validate that this is mm-hmm. conforming to your identity and you didn't know that you have hd adhd until you're 27 yeah yeah wow. i i want to kind of understand a little bit of your kind of inner experience uh before you knew that you had adhd do you uh ever do you feel guilty for abusing drugs or do you, what was your internal thought process like? I never felt guilty about taking drugs. And no, I mean, there was like some kind of uh, part of like, oh, I felt like a rebel, you know, and mm. I felt like I was against society. There right. was this, this part like, like the, the, the good people, I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. So yeah. all the behaviors that a bad person would do, I will do them. Yeah. And I was just like all my friends, all the people I knew, they were in the same, same mm. thing. I, I, my friends were punks, were like criminals, were drug dealers, were drug yeah. addicts. And uh, even people in the porn industry, like prostitutes and things like that. That they were the people I, w- I was hanging out with, you know? And right. I was like, all these people, they're just re- comforting into what I, I do. You know, we are very scared about who we are. Yeah. So we choose the people who are comforting us. Wow. And when someone is just not comforting you, you're just saying that this person has a problem. Mm-hmm. And I remember the time when I, I, there was this girl, very pretty, pretty girl, Colombian girl, and she was very Christian. And she was like, yeah, no, you can, you can find God and stuff. And like, no, you never tried cocaine. So you don't know what I'm you're talking about, but you cannot be happy without cocaine. And that was, I was trying to convince her wow. that if she took cocaine, she would be happier than she right. was. And so no. it became your own religion. The cocaine. Yeah, religion. yeah, yeah. I know, I understand that you can get high on your own supply. You just breathe and yeah. you can get way yeah. higher. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, when when you're surrounded by people who are comforting you with that, you feel good and know that I understand what was the reason, you know. Mm. It wasn't a bad reason for me. I just like I was lost into the ocean and people told me you need to swim until the shore. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Well, but I cannot swim like everybody else because my brain is not working like everybody. So mm-hmm. either you teach me how to make my brain worse, either I'm gonna find the easiest solution, which the easiest solution is the drug, you know. Yeah. Now that I know that I can use meditation, I can use hypnosis, I can like I done like for more than two years I've done hypnosis every day. 
like right. one hour every day and i just had yeah brain. yeah you just didn't know any better as like a young yeah. adult and i mentioned yeah. like you were in that environment and bubble mm-hmm. where everyone that you're surrounded with like kind of confirm and validated what you're doing is actually correct or like right or accepted yeah. and that really shows the power of environment mm-hmm. like we're the product of our the environment that we're in yeah, yeah, like if yeah. everyone says oh taking cocaine is like completely fine it's like normal what we do and like every day on a party then subconsciously be like yeah there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but and that's what i think happens when when and that's like the matrix, you know, that yeah, we're yeah. in. When we're in, in the type of place where everything it feels so normalized, like yeah. doing a nine-to-five job and doing the work that we hate and then not being able to live in an abundant life, mm-hmm. it became normal. But once yeah. you kind of step out of out of this environment and start to meet people like you who have like lived the travel and seen like what is possible outside, then you start to question, is this like really the exactly. life that I want for myself? Which is what happened to you when you met the psychiatrist. Yeah, right? yeah, she just... With her figure of authority, because yeah. at the moment I was believing that they're like these people had like authority on me and they knew better my life than me. She just broke some beliefs I had. And when you break these beliefs, you're like, you're like you know, anyone who is in the nine five, the first excuse they're going to tell you is I don't have a choice. Mm. And that's a belief they have. Mm. They believe they don't have a choice because they don't believe in themselves. Yeah. But then when you break a pattern, when you just like step out of this comfort zone and you're like, actually the comfort zone was just a prison and created for myself. Mm. And you realize that there's, you have so much more potential. And then, you know, you learn a few tools, you know, because that's one of the problem. We, we not taught how to use our brains and bodies. Yeah. You know, like breath work, yoga, meditation. These are ancient tools. Like mm. thousands of years ago, they were like discovered. Yeah. But the society we're in, they didn't grow up with that. That was discovered in India, in, yeah. in Europe, in Western world. We didn't grow up with that. We grew up with like hard winter and life is hard. And this environment told us life is hard. You need to struggle. Now, when, you, when you're living in the tropics right now and you, you see that this is like the mango tree there or whatever, you're like, okay, life is easy. You know, like there's fruits every day of the year. Yeah. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. When you live in Europe and it's like half of the year, there's no food yeah. that is apparently growing, you're in that mindset of scarcity. And mm. I think that's that kind of created a mindset of scarcity in the Western world. Yeah. And now that we have this fucking chance to be in the time where we can travel around the world, when we can have at the reach in our pockets, every, I don't have my phone, is there, but everybody who has who watched this video has either a phone or a computer access on the internet, they can watch hundreds of videos. That's how I, I, I remade myself, you know, yeah. for like three years. I was just like watching YouTube's video all yeah. day, listening to podcasts like this one. And that's why I'm freaking happy to be here because mm-hmm. like I'm giving back what I've received as okay. well. Yeah. And you can learn so many ways, you know, and accept that what, when, when you feel so much suffering in your daily life and kind of, you know, it, you might be drinking and thinking that that's the life, but mm-hmm. you know, deep down that you're not yeah. feeling happy. Yes. And then you're like, okay, so there's another way. And you just accept that there's another way. And you start checking out because everything doesn't work for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, if you want to lose weight, there's some very easy thing. You can eat an, an apple 30 minutes before eating. And that's going to s- slow down your, your needs mm-hmm. of eating. But that might not work for everybody because yeah. we have different eating patterns. Yeah. But with the internet, you can really try whatever you want and find a technique that's going to help you to break out of, of whatever pain you are. Mm. 
And with that, you're going to be able to just like open your, your window of belief and say, okay, I could break out of this. Yeah. So now what's going to be the technique? What's going to be the path for me to break out of the other things? Mm, yeah. And like, I agree with what you said, like how knowledge is so accessible now and change is like within reach. Yeah. And so transformation is so accessible if people have the will to want to change and mm -hmm. to improve and grow like you don't have to like go to india and like be in an osho center to like meditate no, for like exactly. a year or like go to burning man or like do a vipassana like even if you're in your room and you're stuck in your as long as you have a mobile phone you have yeah, access yeah, to yeah, like yeah. the books to the audio uh, podcasts and all these things that could help rewire your belief system mm -hmm. and really unlock your fullest potential. But I think the biggest challenge is people didn't have that mindset to yeah. want to change. So yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. having the knowledge is one thing, but the mindset that they have is another thing. So even as much as help that is available for someone, if that person is not ready to receive help, mm -hmm. then there's no change that can be made. Yeah. So I want to go back to your story of like how uh, how do you go from someone who has established their identity for 10 years to the point of, okay, I really need to change and, and improve my life now? Well, well you, need, you need to go through a, a, a point of no return of pain. And mm. that's what's happening in my coaching. Like every day I'm talking with like hundreds of people on social media. And whenever I see that someone is saying like, oh, I don't have the choice or whatever, like uh, that's my life. Uh, I'm like, well, then just suffer more. And mm -hmm. when you're going to have that, I'm telling them to, I, I just have this, I was reading this book on personal development where it's like written, you're the only one who can change your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm sending that picture of that book to these mm -hmm. people. And like, the moment you understand that phrase, come back to me. Yeah. But maybe you're going to have to suffer way more. Mm. Oh, you just have this aha moment of inspiration and when you see someone you know, like envy, jealousy, there, these are things that can push you to go further. And I'm like, don't be shy about your winnings. I, I see so many um, motivational like uh, Instagram feeds where they're like, yeah, hide your winnings. Don't tell what you succeed. Just keep it secret. No, don't keep it secret. Tell everybody that you're the best. Yeah. Make them want to be like you. Yeah. When, when, you, when you're like shining, when you're happy, when you're doing something that you can be proud of it, show it to the others, show the light. You know, these, these people who are like uh, picking up trash or giving money to homeless people. And there's like so many haters saying, oh, don't do that. That's so fucking egoistic. Yes. Don't show that you're giving money to yes. homeless people. I'm like, what? You should more like show that you're doing bad things? Yeah. <laughs> it, wh why are we living in a society where it's better to show bad behaviors, mm. to show violence on the TV, than to show sex and good behavior? We also need to be careful when we're sharing all this like uh, accomplishments and achievements because it can, sometimes we can attach too much of like our, what we're doing with other people's validation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so I feel it has to come from that place of like, I know that I'm on the right track and I come from this place of like uh, acceptance and self-love and I'm proud of what I'm doing. And I, when I'm sharing what I have done, it is from the place of uh, I love myself and I know that what I can, what I'm sharing can, can benefit others. 
what was your kind of uh, thought process behind uh, this? Oh, I just want to put a, um, a differentiation here because there's validation and recognition. Mm. Validation comes from a needy place. Like, mm. I don't know my worth yeah. and I, know I need someone to give me some worth. Yeah. Okay. That's someone that have no self-esteem, no self-love, and I'm been I'm working. I've been working on that. I created a course on self-love because I know that it's the foundation of everything. And if you start something by looking for validation, you're gonna create something from lack. But yeah. then if you create something to for getting recognition, recognition, it's like appreciation. There's no judgment. It's like oh, I see what you have done, and that's all. Yeah. It's like I mean. A, uh, um, recognition doesn't have a compliment with it. Mm. It's like just a thumbs up, like, you know, just a like, you know, yeah. that's recognition. Validation yeah. is like, wow, go, good, keep up, you know, which both are important, but recognition is uh, vital. It's something that comes from our need of being social. Yeah. And, and validation is also important, but you need to understand that when you're seeking that, you're going to get it, but you're going to see that it's empty. Mm. Uh, when you do, when you're getting recognition, is that you know that you you're part of something. Yeah. And uh, validation is you're not part of it. Yeah. And you want to be part of it. So you need to accept your identity and your value is there. It, you don't need to do anything to be there. You know, like yeah. Uh, there is a very simple exercise uh, that that you can do is to connect to your heart and remember the emotion of the moment you were first held by your parents. Mm. The moment you were first held by your parents when you were just born, they gave you unconditional and infinite mm -hmm. love because they had no reason to be angry at you. You know, yeah. like when you grow up and when you do things and they know that what you're doing is dangerous, they might tell you, don't do that, that's dangerous. Or they might be angry because you just drew on the wall that is white and it's just been painted and that gets anger into them. Yeah. And by having these feelings, you have this feeling that they don't love you unconditionally. Mm. But th the condition of the physical world and the unconditional love are two separate things. Mm. What's happening on the physical is conditional. If I'm seated, I cannot be standing. That's a condition. Mm. No. So whatever you do in physical is conditional. But what's happening into the, the energetical world, like the, the love I have for you, it's unconditional. Mm. Whether you're here or not, I love you the same way. Yeah. So that's unconditional love. And if you come back to that, you're going to feel your worth and your value. Yeah. And then you come back from that place and like you feel it. And if you don't feel it enough, every day, every morning you wake up and you just come back to that before starting anything. You do it's like, okay, so I remember when my, my dad was holding me or mm -hmm. like when he was going to my bedroom before I was falling asleep. Yeah. And you anchor yourself to that moment and you anchor every action you did on the, in that moment. So you start creating from love. Yeah, and whatever you create from love is gonna be positive. That's this, you know. I love that. Right. Yeah, I love that. It's, yeah, I think there's so much like toxic pressure these days that to to make us believe that we need to achieve something or be worthy of something when we have accomplished certain milestones or get validation from others to feel like we are deserving of love, mm -hmm. while the fact that we are we're alive and that we're ex our existence alone should and is enough yeah. to be worthy of unconditional love. Yeah. So, and at the same time, also recognize that there's a, a the need for recognition is also very inherent in our system. Yeah. As as human, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in wanting that because yeah. that's what creates connection. That what this what creates uh, a place of like, oh yes, I my existence is being seen. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, all exactly. about being seen mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by others. And that's a, just a very fundamental need of human being. Um, 
I still want to go back to your story about what happens after you see you saw the psychiatrist and after you knew that you were diagnosed with ADHD. What was your healing and like growth process like from okay. there? So there was, um, I just came back to my place and I just started questioning myself, like what's going on. So I just decided I would stop cooking. You know, like that was the worst thing I had. And wow. I just isolated from my, myself in my apartment and was just playing video games and I was listening to electronic music and I was smoking a lot of weed. Mm. I was ordering food uh, on the phone and things like that. And after one week of isolation, I just started meditating without knowing what was meditation. Just like my control fell from my hand and was just like this. Wow. So this was after one session with the psychiatrist yeah. and you decided to make this change. Yeah, Yeah, I mean like, like shroom, like, you know, like I was like, okay, so it just flipped my, like, as I say, I flipped like a pancake, you know, right. just burning from one side yeah. and then I just like turned on the other side and, and then like, yeah, one week of that. And then I just had this revelation that actually I can do more. You know? mm. I don't have to be stranded in that position because wow. like drugs addiction is a prison. I was scared of like moving out of my town because I needed drugs wherever I would be. Wow. So if I was going somewhere, the person I would go visit would have to be able to provide me the same amount of drugs I would wow. have to use on a daily basis, yeah. which was like between one to three grams of cocaine, like one bottle of, of whiskey at least, or hot liquor, whatever. Mm. At the time, I was able to drink one bottle of hot liquor by myself every day, and I was just feeling normal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks for sharing this context, because it, if... It gives me more compassion to people who are addicted to any substances because often the judgment that came out of that was like, why are you letting yourself or are you subjecting yourself to this type of like suffering and like allowing yourself to be so dependent on like a substance? Mm -hmm. But hearing your story makes me realize that for a lot of people, it became like the survival mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's the only thing that your brain, your brain knows how to create like all this feeling of safety and comfort yeah, in your yeah. body so thank you for sharing sharing that type of uh, what happened like internally yeah. when you were going through that period and hearing your story made me realize that you actually already had the awareness that that you were looking for an escape from this kind of routine that you were stuck in for 10 years and then when you met your psychiatrist and like she gave you this like one missing puzzle piece that you've been searching for. You're like, oh, there's another way. Yeah. That was what gave you that. So actually I was not looking for an escape. Yeah. I was just in that deep pain and I met her like by accident, you know, and we mm. started talking and when she just informed me, took me into a session and that's how it got out. But I was not like in my, I was convinced I was doing good things. And when that, that change of belief happened, then it's just like, all the awareness come back that I was lying to myself. Mm. And then I started crying. I started just like all the emotion that was hiding and I was like, um, burying under, uh, under all the drugs I was taking, they just all came up at once. And, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I cannot just like avoid all of that, all the pain, all the suffering that I had. It just like, it was there, but there was so much drug that I couldn't feel it, you know? And so what happened after you had that realization uh, you said you went into like an isolation and it, it started meditating out of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. So I learned later that I conditioned for uh, med for meditation when you never meditated. Yeah. It, like uh, 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 electronic music, so like beats, repetitive beats, mm. isolation and um, 
getting out of reality. So I was playing video games that are like Star Wars and things like while I was in space. So I had no uh, link to my daily life, to reality that as I knew it. Mm. So I conditioned my brain during one week to just like lose touch with reality. And then I started having hallucinations and stuff. And I and I wake up from it like, I didn't take any LSD, but I have more hallucinations. And these hallucinations were so vivid. I wanted wow. to believe into them. Yeah. And I started, my intuition was so strong. I could feel the emotion of my dog i could feel the emotion of my plants i had some a lot of home plants wow. and i could feel that this plant there they needed to be moved to be more in the in closer to the window because yeah. they needed more, more things and that moment uh i just took all the drugs i had in my apartment i threw them in the in the toilet wow I gave some of the drugs I had because I had like hundreds of grams of weed and I gave them to other friends that I knew they were addicted and they had like money problems. Like, okay, you, you don't have that. So yeah. you don't have to buy them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to help you with that. And I don't need to think about it. Anymore. Wow. And I was like, okay, so all I did until now was wrong. That was my, uh, that was the standpoint I was. So taking drugs, selling them, uh, going to parties every day, eating meat, because I was only eating meat at the time, you know, like for me, like cooking was just frying a piece of meat and <laughs> yeah. just that. Uh, eating like processed food, all of the things I was doing, just running after money or running after power, that's wrong. Yeah. So I just decided to work for charities. For like three months, I started working for charities. I started to uh, cook myself, cooking like uh, vegetarian food. Wow. And just like I started a journey of self-healing. I never been to a rehab center and I mm. been able to get off five different drugs I was taking on a daily basis just by myself, just by slowly giving myself space wow. and changing all the habits that I had with new and healthier ones. And that's mm. how anyone who is addicted to something, you can also by daily incrementation change your habits like if you're drinking one bottle of of whiskey every day of you you're smoking one pack of cigarettes so today I just decide i'm gonna drink that amount less and every week or every day i'm gonna reduce the amount I'm, I'm drinking or smoking from the same size like i would say mm. like you have the, this bottle of whiskey i'm gonna leave one inch of whiskey today tomorrow i'm gonna leave two inches of whiskey and then you find something else to replace it, whether it would be playing basketball, whether mm. it would be cooking, whether it would be drawing or like whatever, you know, like you do something and slowly you're going to rewire your brain and create new pathways in your brain. And the more you do them, the more uh, they're going to be strong. And then you're going to have, have super highway in your brain, in your brain of mm. wellness activities and you're gonna, your body is going to crave these wellness activities. Wow. Well, actually you really live up to your name to give so much hope to a lot of people out there because addiction is a real thing like it, sometimes it's not so obvious you could be addicted to social media or like mm -hmm. sex or work yeah and to, to know that for someone who were like so deep into it for 10 years to like make that shift uh and to be the person you are today who like meditate an hour every day and like completely detach three hours every day you know that not like, every day but like today i woke up at one, one hour and before coming i did one hour where you were that was like a yeah. step and i want to understand a bit more because do you make that shift like right away in like an instant and how how was that possible 
So there is one thing you need to understand is that uh, I was just reading the, the, um, the origin from the Latin word addiction. Addiction, it means in Latin is self-submitting. So you're deciding yourself that you're going to be addicted. I'm addicted to meditation today, <laughs> but it's a healthy addiction. Yeah. Right. Um, so when you know that the mind's controlling everything, yeah. so it's very simple. My arm is there. If I want my arm to move, I need to think about it. Mm. Okay. If I want to drink, I'm going to have to think about it. Mm. But then the more you do the same thing, the more you're wiring your brain to have this. And the bigger the, the wire in your brain, the easier the action is to do. Mm, it becomes a habit. Like you it's become a habit. Thinking about it and like you like to trigger it. You have you need less thought part for thought process. You need yeah. to spend less energy to do it. Your, your body knows it. I can I can reach this glass of, of water and drink it very easy without thinking about it because I'm I taught my body to of body awareness. Yeah. So when you know that everything starts in your mind. And I know that the more you do it, the harder it is to break a pattern. Yeah. But breaking a pattern can be done in one day, in one instant. Mm. Every moment we have, uh, we can make a decision. So you make that decision and you're going to relapse. That's okay. That's not a problem. You know, when you start uh, riding a bike, yeah. you, you get balance. You're like, oh, and then you fall. Yeah. And that's why you have the, the, the small wheels on the sides. So you yeah. can learn. And, and when, you, when you get out of uh, addiction, you just make baby steps. You know, you just start cycling. You get balance. And mm -hmm. then, okay, you, you drink a bit more today. That's okay. Yeah. Tomorrow, you set yourself. You know what I'm saying to my clients? Just write on a piece of paper what you want and what you don't want. And every morning you you read that. Do I want to feel hangover every morning? Do I want to spend all my money into that? Do I want my family to judge me and point me off? Because that's mm. what that's what was uh, uh, happening. You know, uh, the members of my family they didn't they weren't saying it, but I could feel the way they were looking at me. Yeah. They, they were not proud of me. Yeah, and I could see you now. I have I have uh, WhatsApp calls with my sister, and I can see that she's fucking uh, proud of me. She's yeah. liking yeah. all the videos, all the posts I'm making on social media. She loves them. She comments yeah. on them. You know, I I can feel it. So you you ask yourself, what do I want every morning? Yeah, you, know, you put that back into your awareness. Yeah, every morning you ask, do I want to run today? Do I want to feel good today? Do I want to drink one liter of water? Do I want? And you ask yourself that. You know, every yeah. morning you put back in that your awareness, and by making that conscious choice every day, you're gonna make it easier for yourself. Because mm -hmm. in a way, you're hijacking your old pattern yeah like you're in you're increasing the gap in between the urge to yeah. want to engage in that unhealthy behavior mm -hmm. with the actual action by intentionally putting the fitting the, all this like healthy information in your brain like what do i want what do i really not want and then you when whenever you felt the urge i this is what i suppose that you could intervene and go okay yeah subconscious like this is the new me that i want to create i don't want to stop becoming this uh, old person that I, I, I cannot be proud of. And I guess, was that what happened to you in terms of the process? Do you make this like baby step or because it sounds like it was quite sudden? Well, it, it, the, the, um, I just, well, I'm a very extreme person. Yeah. So I'm always going to, to the far end and then I, I came back to the middle finding my, my balance. But you know, like mm. I, when, when I realized that I had a life without cocaine, I just decided it was over. I knew cocaine was destroying me, you know, like because mm. I was taking at least one gram every day. Yeah. But then I had to take painkillers because you know you just 
depleting right. your brain from all the water because whatever chemical you put inside of your cell, it's painful for your body. Yeah. You, know? you have to process all of that. If you take like one line of cocaine when you're 20, one week later, your body has processed that. You don't even feel it. But if for like for 10 years, you take every day, then you take alcohol, then you take that and you don't drink water. I was like drinking at least 10 coffee. I had like the espresso machine. So yeah. every hour I was yeah. making myself an espresso. I was like rolling a joint. I was like smoking two packs a day, you know, so like my body had like so much pain. Like I was, I was really destroying. And when I'm looking at myself, I, I can say everybody can get back from that. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. So. I, I had to just break all the bridges, you know, I took my phone, I broke it into pieces. Wow. I, you know, really where I, my, all my friends, I was waking up at two in the afternoon and was going to sleep at two, at four in the morning, something like that on a regular basis. When in the Thursday to Sunday, I was not going to sleep because I was just partying. There was like, we were going to club. Then I was making after parties at my place. Then in the in the summer in, in Europe, like there is like um, parties in the parks and in, in the open air. So we're going to open air parties in the afternoon, still taking drugs. Like it was like a festival, you know, you've been mm -hmm. to festivals. People in the festival, they take drugs and they don't sleep for six days. Yeah. That was my week. And the Monday was just recovering in the Monday. And then the Tuesday I was starting again to party, but yeah. not as hard as in the weekends. Uh, I just like cut all bridges and wow. then I, I just really, I, I felt like who are the people I know that are like my friends at that, the one I wanted to make friends with and I kind of would get closer to them were like the hippies who were just smoking some weed sometimes, but they were like not hardcore drug addicts mm. like I was. And I started hanging out with these people and I did, and I went to these charities and I said, I want to work for you for free. I don't fucking care. Like, just right. like, I'm just like, give me some food for the day I'm working, but then the rest. And so I just started to change my landscape. Mm. And with that, I just started to see that people are happy just by looking at flowers. Wow. <laughs> and I remember a few months after I, I did my, my change, I was enjoying a walk. Mm. and see one of my old friends and he's like what you are doing and i'm like i'm i'm enjoying the work and he was like he's like he, he's, he started laughing you know like ah <laughs> you know I, I, right. and then i was like yeah like you don't know what you're missing on yeah because because he went from someone who craves for so much stimulation to feel yeah. anything in your life to like being able to you know enjoy and savor little pleasures in life mm. like walking we know like the most important thing is as i say asking yourself the questions like right now i love waking up at five in the morning and going to sleep mm. at 10 because i know we've like when i when i said doing that after three months i saw how much more energy how much better i felt doing it and i know if you're eating one glass of wine the next morning i'm gonna be groggy i'm not gonna be wanting to do the same amount of things and I feel so much more reward by mm. doing things that have meanings, that are helping other people, that are bringing some change in the life of others. Yeah. And that's what's driving me. You know, yes. I'm looking far away. You know, when, when you're addicted, you don't have hope of what's going to be happening tomorrow. Yeah. You know, at the time, I, I didn't care if I would die. I had... 11 car crash you know, like 11 road accidents and i didn't care you know like i still have like broken bone here um, and you know getting out of the hospital i was like oh i'm gonna have trotted i was gonna have like free morphine and stuff like that the prescription they're, they're like even way stronger than the one i can get in the streets yeah and for me it was like oh cool you know like and i didn't care 
and you didn't think of you know i remember this doctor saying like yeah you, you, i was like 25 like you're like you're young you know you should be careful about not getting again into a road accident and i was like i didn't care about the time and now i'm like i still have 60 years in front of me that's yeah. what i'm thinking you know i'm thinking i want to see children grow up yeah, uh, I'm. I'm like. I'm not building things for myself. Yeah, I want to create a legacy. Yeah, I want to create something that the grandkids of my grandkids are gonna be <laughs> like, wow, that's that's here, you know. Yeah, like, whether it be physical or just like spiritual or just like you know like uh, a name, something that you know like I knew. I know that is gonna come back. You know, mm. I really like what you said about. Um, finding a bigger meaning yeah. behind what you were so stuck in. And I think that's really the key to getting out of the addiction. Like mm -hmm. first, you got to bring in awareness of like what the addiction has done to you uh, and to people in your life that you love. And then second is there's something bigger than like, I think the thing with people who are depressed or like, addicted to something that their, their mind was so focused on like, uh, what's next what the the next pleasure that they can the simulation that they can put into their lives that they, they forgot they didn't take they didn't gain pleasure from all the small things or they didn't know what else is better that they could be doing and spending their focus and attention yeah, to. Yeah, yeah so for you like for you to be able to you know first you cut off your environment that that is toxic for you had contacts with everyone who's not supporting the new person you want to become you also find a charity uh, that you want to dedicate your attention and your focus to because that gives you a sense of a bigger meaning that takes mm -hmm. your focus away out of just yourselves and just giving yourself pleasures but like how can you be, be in service of others something just bigger than yourself yeah, yeah, yeah and i found that could be really key to uh to not let addiction or depression or whatever that's kind of like confining you to define you something that is it is bigger than yourself it can be anything you don't yeah. have to 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 like uh create the next revolution yeah. you don't have to create the next iphone to create something that's going to be bigger for than yourself you know you can just like do something that you love mm. and and bring something and share it to the others you know bringing bigger than yourself can be already have impact on the people around you yeah and saying like uh you know one of the important things you said is always focus yeah you know is that when you be you're about to orient your focus wherever you want you're mm -hmm. gonna have a lot of stimulation like for example right now i'm sitting here yeah i can focus on the pain i have in my lower back but I can also focus on the breeze coming on my arm and like I have so much stimulation from that. Wow. Yeah. So that's focus. And if you learn to shift your focus on what's necessary at the time is necessary. So there's a moment of your day you need to focus on your pain because mm -hmm. it's going to grow. And there's a moment of your day you need to focus on your pleasure as well. Yeah. And you say, okay, what do I love in my life? What brings me pleasure? It can be cooking, it can be, it can be uh, knitting, it can be making pillows, you know. And what you can do is you can create pillows that are so comfy that helping people to sleep. Mm -hmm. And you're doing something that's really bigger than yourself because you're, yeah. having good, you're having good sleep. But when, at the moment you're having good sleep, you don't need to do pillows anymore. Yeah. But you can do pillows for others and you're going to do something that's going to be impacting the life of people. So being, doing something bigger than yourself, it doesn't have to be so uh, energy draining as well. It can yeah. be very simple, you yes. know, and that's, that's what I, I want to, to say to everybody that doing something that has bigger meaning than just having this small pleasure mm -hmm. can be very easy and very simple. Yeah.
And then the more love you're going to put into that, the bigger it's going to be. And it's going to drive you to do even bigger things, you know, mm -hmm. step by step. I, I read not so long ago, you do not have to go from zero to 100 in one day. You can yeah. go from zero to 10, then from 10 to 20, and then slowly get to 100. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. That um, Yeah, this, that creates like a template for people who want to like... Uh, kind of get out of the, the, the place where yeah. you're so stuck in and it doesn't have to be like a huge leap you no, know like no, i'm gonna like be a different person tomorrow like yeah. step by step like you said and how do you go from uh working for a charity to suddenly find finding the calling to go to india and i was reading a book about tantra at the moment <laughs> and at the point i am the other is saying yeah i've learn everything I know in Osho International Pune and I'm like looking at the map and like yeah I'm like 100 kilometers from Pune I need to go there I need to see what this thing is yeah know? this is like too much at one point for not following my intuition and I'm going there and that's where I discover like the world of uh, spirituality mm. of consciousness personal development and after doing that that's where this relation come to me is like I need to become a coach. Hmm. When when I first discovered drugs, I was like, this is the best thing I can feel in my body. Yeah. I want everybody to have it. And the same thing happened when I discovered I could do it without <laughs> drugs. <laughs> I, like, I love how you're using the same passion and the same skill set that you have in like convincing people to buy drugs, but into spirituality yeah, and something. Yeah, yeah. So it's you're still preserving you're still you. It's just previously you were using it for your passion and your tools for a wrong reason, but now you're you're using and channeling it to bring people to the light that i mean the reason why it's not wrong i wanted people to feel good yeah yeah and the, 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 same the yes. was, was drugs and then i realized that you can feel good without drugs just by breathing you can feel good so yeah <laughs> how many days do you spend in uh in the ocean three months Few months. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the plan to stay uh, two, three weeks in India and yeah. then take a plan and do my bamboo training. And yeah. I said, uh, I went there, I took a pass for two days. Then I met this amazing woman, uh, Ambu, and she can, she could, took me by the arm. She's like, you need to stay at least one week. <laughs> and that week became three months. Right. And I canceled my trip to Bali. And that was one of the best things because I was like, I spent $2,000 on this trip, on this, on the, on Bali already. I paid that. Yeah. I don't want to just like cancel it. And, uh, it was a good thing because. In 2020, I came back to Bali because I had this, this being paid and I got here just before Corona. So I yeah. Say. Yeah. Wow. Perfectly divine. Yeah. 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 Just amazing. I aligned it. Yeah. And what do you do in that, in those three months? Do you like mostly meditate the whole day? I did. Uh, there is like, uh, group therapies, uh, that are just around what you can do with your body. You know, you're in these rooms where you basically have pillows and mattresses and you have just people and they give you a set of instructions. Yeah. These instructions don't make you use anything else than yourself. Mm. And that I felt like so liberating, you yeah. know, like for three hours, you're with a group of 15, 20, 30 people, depending on what kind of uh, uh, therapy you want to do. Yeah. And you just either scream, either you smash pillows on the floor, yeah. or you just silently meditate, or you just like make noises with your mouth. Sometimes you just laugh. I did a 
21 days uh, of, of uh, therapy, which was seven days of laughing, seven days of crying, and seven days of silence. Oh, wow. So literally for three hours, you're with this group of people and you're just laughing. <laughs> and you're just laughing for three hours. And in the beginning, when people <laughs> tell you, you're going to laugh for three hours, you don't, you, you cannot believe it. Yeah. And the first day, you know, you just faking you laugh like ha 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 and then you see others faking their laugh and yeah. you're like oh my god this is so funny so you start laughing <laughs> yeah it's and so then contagious you're on the floor sweating because you didn't stop laughing and all your muscles of your chest are like like shaking and then they they, they, they smash the gong and you're like what it's been only three minutes but it's been three hours and you've oh been god. laughing for three hours and that was so amazing yeah it was so crazy wow and now you become a coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mostly help people with then? Um, so there is three things people are asking me right now. The most is uh, self-love, uh, how to prepare your future and financial advice. For me, like right now, I realize that I really want to push on self-love because what's happening right now in the world is a proof that we're not caring enough for ourselves. Mm. So. I don't care about what's going to happen in the future. Mm. And many people are asking me how to plan their future. But I'm telling that as long as you don't love yourself and you don't create the future from a place of love, mm. there's no reason of creating yeah. a future. Yeah. And that's why I'm, there's a lot of people I'm telling them no. I'm just like, look, let's work on your self-love first. Yeah. Just do this five. I'm, I'm giving exercise to people when they, they reach out to me. I'm giving them exercise. Do that for one week. In one week, if you're still doing it, come back to me. Yeah. If you just stopped after, uh, if you didn't do it, I'm not even considering doing it because you didn't understand that you have to work. Yeah. And that's all, yeah, self-love. Like right now, I'm really pushing that because I think I love that. that's it's, important. Yeah, that's like the foundation of yeah. everything you do. If you don't solve that, everything that you create or do in life will come from that place of lack and it'll just create and perpetuate more suffering. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and I'm curious because you talk a lot about and focus a lot on self-love. Like how did your own journey make you realize how important self-love is and how do you cultivate that for yourself? Um, how I do cultivate? I, I reinvent that for myself every day. Uh, but I think there's three steps that I went through. And uh, when I'm looking at people, these are the three steps they should go as well. Uh, when you're really into that uh, place of destruction, you know. So mm. first is self-care. You know, learn to care about your body, learn to be here in the present moment, learn to be physical. Then there is about what would you do to love others? Mm. You know, what are you ready to sacrifice in your life for someone you love? Mm. And do that for yourself. Mm. And then who are the people you're looking up to? Who are the people you find inspiring and do the same as they do? And that's that's mm. the journey I went through first. I started to care about myself. I started to see, okay. These are the activities I'm not doing anymore, like taking drugs. Uh, I started cooking for myself. I was taking like, you know, one day I was in this meditation center and I took a shower. Mm. And I was like, actually, I'm not taking a shower to, to clean myself. Mm. I'm taking a shower to take care of myself. And I yeah. started crying in the shower. And yeah. I was like, uh. I started to feel that I was loving myself. I was not doing that in an automatic way. I was doing that because I cared my myself. Uh, no, I, and and I, I I wrote a post about that not long ago about being superficial yeah. is important mm. uh, to love yourself and to find a lover as well because in society we think that people who are superficial they're shallow but being whole is thinking about what's inside and what's outside mm. you know like an egg an egg has a shell and has a yolk which one is the most important. Mm. Neither of two. Yeah. If you don't have a shell, the yolk's not survive. Mm. If you don't have a yolk, there's no point of having an egg. 
and what's outside represents what's inside you know yeah. so making yourself beautiful is taking care of yourself you know? like <laughs> what what you love you want it to be beautiful yeah so people who are like oh yeah i know i don't care about my looks and all that there is i i sense a, a lack of self-love right you know it's good to be loving of others but you need to be love, loving of yourself mm. because if you're not loving of yourself, you've been, you begin dependent of the love of the others. And mm. the same of the drugs, you know, yeah. the drugs also create dependence. For me, drugs, like if you want to understand why you're addicted to something, the cocaine is like confidence. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in my ability to generate my confidence. Yeah. So I'm going to outsource it. Yeah. And from love is the same thing. If you don't believe in your ability to love yourself, you're going to outsource this. Mm -hmm. And when you outsource something, you're just dragging and you're creating lack. Mm -hmm. So create, create a, a safe environment for yourself where you care about yourself. Then what you would do for others, you do it for yourself. If mm -hmm. you would uh, pay a restaurant to your lover, if you would write a love letter to your, to your lover, well, do it for yourself. Yeah. You can see how good it feels. Yeah. And you become less needy of the others. And you create a safe place for a love relationship. Like, if you want to have a lover, if you want to have a good job, if you want to have whatever you want to have good in your life, if you don't have the self-love foundation, that's just not going to work. Mm. And if you love yourself enough, you're not going to want to pick up the trash. Yeah. You know? I love myself enough not to want to pick up the trash. If I have to pick up the trash of my own house, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But I'm zero waste. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. need that. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. Uh, I love your, uh, the deeper part of the story that explains why someone could be addicted or be using drugs because yeah. it comes from the place of lack of self-love. And I think that's what you saw in yourself despite how confident you looked on the outside, you know, launching your own business, doing all these things, like you're still abusing drugs because you felt there's a lack of confidence yeah. or love they had for you. So that's why you cling onto the substances. Yeah. But then when you started creating all these new ways where you could cultivate self-love, you could detach from all of that and use all these daily practices, just like feeling so grateful to be uh, in a shower and really taking care of yourself yeah. and taking a walk and all these little things made you feel the self-love that you that you need for yourself yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's so beautiful um so we're coming to an end yeah. uh, and i would love for you to share like a final piece of wisdom that you would like to impart to the audience so i, I want to say as i said like we're all worthy and if you don't believe it you can do that exercise of like feeling into your heart feelings if it's not your parents because some people don't have parents we all have someone we can look up to and had a father figure or mother figure and and feel that person that we're giving us attention without expecting anything in return and you just feel into that and you feel the world that you have and every day you anchor yourself to that mm -hmm. and then you make a list of all the things you're doing on a regular basis mm -hmm. on on the seven days of the week there's at least six days where you're doing exactly the same thing at the same time mm -hmm. your body is conditioned you co you condition your body for that and look at them and ask yourself are these things what society tells me to do is good or are these things what I believe are good? Mm. And from there, you can start like clearing out the other ones and then you go on social media, you go on YouTube, you whatever, and you find someone who feels good, who's smiling, yeah. who is like, great. And you ask yourself, what is this person doing? Mm. And then you just start trying out by yourself the thing and do that enough time to see by yourself if it's working. You know, like 
it's not by doing 10 push-ups or going once to the gym that you're gonna feel the effects. You're gonna have to do it like at least for yeah. 30 days and then you're gonna see that your body is changing. And the same thing for any kind of self-care practice. If you do it enough, at one point you're gonna see if it's working for you or not. Mm. And that's the, the biggest advice I would say for anybody who wants to change your life yeah. is just to start by feeling the love and then yes. applying into their daily basis. Beautiful. Starting from self-love, that's yeah. always the foundation to everything. And what I took away from uh, your story was how an identity is just like a construct or a narrative that you believed uh, somewhat and that actually you could you have the power to completely change that narrative yeah. even within an instant. The moment you had that realization that I want to change that change could happen so quickly, just like what happened mm -hmm. in your story. Even when you have been so entrenched in this identity as a drug addict for 10 years, and then you could make that change so quickly and found this all these new ways of truly enjoying life and living uh, a, a life that is truly aligned with your truth and your full purpose and your potential. So you've inspired so much hope in me and, and I know in so much, so many audience who know that change is possible, not just a small change, but a complete change in your identity, not just about getting a muscle or like becoming like a better looking, but like mm -hmm. a better person that comes from the place of self-love and from the heart. So thank you for sharing that thank beautiful you, message. And if anyone wants to find you and want to work with you, yeah. where can they find you? Uh, I have an um, Instagram and Facebook account. Uh, they can reach me on Facebook, Asha Hope. And uh, Instagram is Asha's Lifestyle. And I believe you can put the handles in, yeah. the, uh, in the comments or whatever. Yes. So I'll make sure to put uh, all the details in the podcast description. Yeah. And I want to thank you again for joining us at this uh, podcast and inspiring all of us with so much hope. Just like how your name suggests, Asha. So thank you for being here. My full pleasure for being here. And whenever you want to do other podcasts, I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Just to shine light and give hope. This is what I'm driving to. Uh, I feel that. I truly feel that. Thank you. Thank you.